Hey folks, you know what? A small regret is slouching in the dentist chair thinking I should have brushed and flossed better. A big health regret is listening to your doctor and thinking I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. I have that regret a lot. Better health today and when it matters most is why I take Field of Greens. Field of Greens is unlike any fruit and vegetable or green product. Field of Greens isn't watered down extracts. Field of Greens is an organic superfood. It's whole fruits and vegetables. Each fruit and vegetable was selected by doctors to support vital body functions like heart, liver, kidneys, metabolism, and of course, your immune system. And only Field of Greens is backed by a better health promise. At your next checkup, your doctor will notice your improved health or you're gonna get your money back. Don't look back and say, I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. Field of Greens is a key to better health today, right now, and when it matters most. Let's get you started with 15% off and free shipping. All you got to do is visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS at checkout. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Hello, America, and welcome to the Thursday edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News, where we got a lot of news going on. We've got a scandal, a governor hanging for dear life in New York, uh, Andrew Cuomo, a a devastating AG report on sexual harassment, sexual assault, uh, and the personal destruction of people who came forth with honest allegations. Amazing stuff. Will the New York legislature moved to impeachment because Andrew Cuomo is not departing willfully. That's for sure. Will they move to impeachment? We've got the perfect guest for you. Senator Robert Ort, the Republican leader of the New York Senate, is here to give us the very latest breaking news on the front lines of really what is one of the most epic uh, state house scandals in a very, very long time. And uh, Senator Ort's been on the show before. You love him. He's the leader of the Republican Senate caucus and straight talker. We're going to make a lot of news with that today. And we also have joining us today, Ken Blackwell, the former Secretary of State of Ohio. He's got a brand new election integrity project that he is doing with the America First Policy Institute. Uh, And it has a lot of muscle. It has a lot of ideas, a lot of common sense. It's not about a quick fix. It's not about creating a few headlines. It's about creating a long-term methodological way of making sure our elections remain easy to vote and hard to cheat. And after 2020, well, that's a welcome debate we should be having in America. Now, before we get to that, oh my God, is the news breaking out? And I wanna, I wanna point out one thing that I have been focused on the last couple of days. I really think this could be a very, very important development. And I'm gonna get to some election integrity stuff in a second, but just real quickly, there was a tragic death in Austin, Texas, and there have been many tragic deaths over the last year as violence has spiked in cities where the city councils and the mayors have defunded the police. You can name the cities, New York, all right, we know that one, Portland, (laughs) I would even say about Portland, Seattle, Chicago, right? Lethal, chronic, increasing, spreading violence in lots of innocent victims. We remember the four and six-year-olds killed in their cars by stray shootings. This is not only 
the bad people shooting at each other, there are many casualties, unintended casualties of people sitting innocently by and getting killed by this crazy wave of violence that have occurred. Well, one of those was a guy named Douglas Cantor. He was visiting from New York in Austin, Texas, back in June, sitting at a bar, minding his own business, lawfully, when two gangs decided they were going to have a shootout out in the street near him. And the stray bullet came through, shot him, killed him. And this comes in a city where $150 million was cut from the police department. Not a small amount, a large percentage of the Austin Police Department. And one of the things that they cut was the gang unit, a unit dedicated to dealing with gangs, which, by the way, in urban areas of Texas are real. Well, we now know from the evidence that has been proffered that because the gang unit wasn't there, it wasn't able to pick up open source intelligence, which was on social media. The gangs had announced they were going to have this shootout at this location. At least one of them did. And the police were unable to cover it because they didn't have a unit to monitor it. And Douglas Cantor becomes one of the many senseless victims of this scourge of violence that is rising as quickly as the resources are going down for the police departments in these blue urban areas. Well, the family of Douglas Cantor has decided it's going to open a new front against the funding police. It's going to go to the courts. It's going to make a unique legal argument because most times government officials are immune. You can't sue them. They're immune from negligence lawsuits. But in this case, the lawyer representing Doug Cantor's family a woman that has got a lot of strong ideas, strong conviction that this is the right thing to do, Rosemary Arnold. They're filing a lawsuit, and they're going to claim that the Austin City Council and the mayor and the police department do not have immunity for defunding the police because it is an intentional, not a negligent, an intentional and solely political act of cutting money. They're going to be able to connect the dots. Money gets cut. Gang unit gets removed. Police can't pick up gang threat. Gang violence occurs because priests couldn't intercept it. And innocent man from New York dies in an Austin bar. That is the extraordinary argument that this family is about to make. It's going to be in the courts in Texas. If it succeeds, Bernie Carrick, my good friend, the former NYPD commissioner, says it will open up an avalanche of lawsuits by people who died in this last year of extraordinary increasing violence in urban areas who died unnecessarily, died tragically, to sue other political leaders in this country who decided recklessly against the people's will, because polling shows they don't want this, to defund the police department for some political cause that was not in the public interest. That is the argument this lawsuit is going to make. Check out the story on Justin News. It's the top Justin News right now. Family pursues new legal front against police defunding after son slain in Texas gang shootout. That's the story. Now, two elections. A great piece by my colleague Dan Payne today looking at the DOJ's memo threat, threatening memo, I should say, last week to anyone who dare audit the 2020 elections. Daniel Payne gets underneath the threats and shows there's no evidence that any of this has happened. And maybe it's a suggestion that the DOJ is concerned about what these audits are about to turn up. Well, check that story out. A good read and really smart reporting by my good friend, Daniel Payne. And then on the election front, two more things. Wisconsin overnight purged more than 200,000 outdated voters from the rolls. They deactivated them. They're not gone entirely, but they're deactivated, which means they won't show up 
as an active voter, if they go to the polls, they've got to reactivate themselves, but they're not fully purged. But that's a big move. It didn't happen last year. It did happen this year. It certainly could be good news for the 2020 election. Now, on top of that, let's think about one other election thing. Attorneys general from 15 different states, including the state of Ohio, uh, Dave Yost, the big attorney general there, is very active these days. They have filed to support a brief in the federal courts against the Justice Department and its lawsuit against Georgia's new election law, saying that the Justice Department doesn't have a right to interfere with lawmakers' constitutional right to set the rules for elections in their state. A lot of states rallying behind Georgia, behind election integrity, beyond common sense reform. Check out that story as well. A lot of big developments in the news last night. Hey, uh, just a few minutes ago, Missouri Governor Parsons has pardoned the McCloskeys. That's a big moment, too, for their gun violations in the last year's BLM protests in St. Louis. So many things to check out. You know where you can check them out all the time? Justinnews.com. We got you covered 24-7. All right, quick commercial break. When we come back, the Senate Republican leader from the state of New York, Robert Ort, here to tell us what's really going on behind the scenes in the Andrew Cuomo scandal. And then Ken Blackwell, who was kind enough to join me on my TV special last week. I think you got a chance to hear it on Monday. We made a podcast version of him. He's going to be here to talk about election integrity, all those things we just rattled off that are on the front pages of Just the News. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we got two great guests. Don't leave. It's going to be worth it. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. And as promised, a very special guest on the front lines of the Andrew Cuomo scandal in New York. Joining us right now is the Senate Republican leader from the state of New York, Robert Ort. Senator Ort, good to have you back on the show. John, great to be back with you. It is an amazing moment in New York history, uh, and so much hangs in the balance over these next few days and weeks. First, just your reaction to all the behavior that was laid out in the attorney general's report. You know, John, it was obviously it was disturbing. It was pretty appalling, uh, but in a lot of ways, not entirely surprising. And I mean, but what I mean by that is the facts were disturbing and in some cases even more shocking. There were more women. You know, the state trooper was a victim that we had not right. known about or heard about. And I don't think we knew the, the level of or the depth of the cover up by his own staff. Right. That the the attempts that they and the lengths they went to to suppress and make sure these things never got out and move these women to other jobs and, and, and try to smear them and all of that was sort of laid bare. But the truth is that behavior, in this case, it was you know, sexual harassment. Doing this. That behavior is really baked into the DNA and the brand of who Andrew Cuomo was and his administration, whoever they were dealing with, whether it was a political opponent, whether it was a woman who worked for them, you know, they, they always say sexual harassment is, is really always a power. And uh, that's true for Andrew Cuomo. And every, every interaction, every relationship he has, it comes down to power. And he is going to make sure or try to make sure that he has it over 
you or over whoever. And so um, it's, a, it's a confirmation of the worst things that we thought about this governor. And uh, that is why, you know, we are long past. He should step aside and calls for resignation. Uh, it is time to move forward with impeachment because I don't think unless he believes that the state legislature and the Democrats specifically who run both houses, he does not believe that they are serious about removing him through impeachment. And until he believes that they are serious about doing that, this is the same legislature that didn't issue one subpoena yeah, to the investigation they committee. Didn't. They didn't. They, they let him run the state through COVID pretty much alone through executive order. They were, rele- they were reluctant to strip away those powers, even after all these allegations and the nursing home scandal and the, the cover up there. And don't forget, there's an investigation on that front that's still going on. Um, but I don't think he believes they have the, the chutzpah, uh, the backbone to remove him. And until he believes that, he's not going to go anywhere. And that's why the assembly needs to move forward with impeachment. And the Senate Republican conference stands ready to return to Albany to oversee the trial. Yeah, such an important moment. Let me ask you this, because you have a great sense of the the, the, the building, the Capitol building, what's going on. Our Democrats, uh, Cuomo's assessment aside, our uh, Democrats at a point where they realize that impeachment is the proper um, remedy here. You know, I think so. So, you know, obviously I'm not in the, I'm not in the assembly. And right. That's where this would, the actual impeachment would have to go. I think they realize that. And I think there's probably a, a growing appetite. Uh, my guess is they would like him to, there's probably a lot of discussions happening amongst a lot of people behind the scenes to try to get him to, to voluntarily step aside. Right. Spare uh, the spectacle. Uh, I don't, you know, yeah, right. Well, spare the spectacle. And look at it. it Political courage is always in short supply in the New York State Legislature. I've been there for seven years. It's never been a yeah. never been a bastion of, of political courage and, and will. But and the governor knows that though, so right. that's sort of the dynamic. I think I think somehow they have to convey to him, uh, hopefully, that we are serious. Certainly on the Republican side, both in the Assembly and the Senate, we are very serious. Um, we need to move forward with impeachment. This cannot this cannot just sit there, right? You you have a report that says he broke state and federal laws. You have 11 women who've been identified as having been harassed or maybe even assaulted. You, you can't come out with that kind of a report as the attorney general. And then just there's no accountability. There's no action. Um, and those women, to be clear, they showed a lot of bravery and courage. They took on the, the, the most powerful Democratic elected official in New York. And they took him on at a time when he was one of the most powerful, probably elected officials and governors yeah. in the country. Such a great point. And, and a brass knuckles politician know, and, on top of it. Yeah, a guy who they had to know. They worked for him. So many of these women had to know what was coming their way when they did this. And they still did it. And now they should, they deserve, and I think all New Yorkers should expect that their elected leaders will show a fraction of that same backbone and courage to hold them accountable. It is when you read the report from the attorney general, one of the things that struck me is a lot of the pushback, the character assassination, the attacks on these women were being orchestrated right in the middle of the Me Too movement. Andrew Cuomo's out there embracing the Me Too movement and behind the scenes, he's got a machinery with someone working at Facebook and someone working at a consulting firm. And they're trying to destroy the character and reputations of these women to try to preserve him from the consequences of his bad behavior. Uh, When you read that stuff, when you saw, you know, these outsiders working with the governor, trying to destroy the women. What, what was your impression when you saw that? You know, John, my first, my first impression, sadly, was, again, 
very think about the the, the nursing home yeah. uh, issue. That's right. Same thing. These were people who went to great lengths to make sure it wasn't about the truth. It wasn't about taking any kind of accountability for the nursing home deaths or the order or the. It was we're here to basically we're gonna if we have to fudge numbers if we gotta pressure people to change data if we gotta lie. That is what we do to make sure to protect Andrew Cuomo. And that comes from the top. That doesn't just happen. Yeah. I don't care whether you're the governor, whether you're a CEO, if that's the mentality, you know, kill or, or you know, be killed, you know, uh, uh, th- that, that comes from him. And so in a lot of ways, when I saw that, it was, as you said, because they had they tried to weaponize the Me Too movement, um, it's sort of more galling, but it really is very much on brand and in the in the in, in the DNA of 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 the the Cuomo administration, and key, and the other thing is keep in mind I, when I was even somewhat stunned on this, not just outsiders, the governor's own brother, who works at CNN, CNN yeah. was advising him on a strategy to deal with the press, but also on how to you know basically uh, uh, you know turn the tables on the victims and make him look like the victimized. Uh, and, and this was also at a time when he was supposed to be supposedly interviewing him or covering him. So it really when when conservatives complain about the media or the bias sometimes in the mainstream media, this is what they've always felt was true. And now we actually have confirmation in this report that that did happen. It is a moment now where I think in the next 48 hours we'll get some clarity, right? AP did a survey of assembly members. There seems to be a majority ready for impeachment. But, you know, you said it's about courage. The leaders have to put it on the floor and say we're doing it. Uh, What should we be watching for in the next two to four to five days that will predict where this scandal goes next? So the I I believe the Assembly Judiciary Committee laid out he, he has eight days to respond or to basically provide any testimony or what have you evidence from his vantage point. Now, generally, as he is the target of the investigation, that means that they are ready to conclude this. And and no doubt the attorney general's report has accelerated their timetable. Absent her report, that investigation in the assembly would have, you know, the ice caps would have melted before that thing concluded. So, um, you know, the, the attorney general's report is what is moving this. Um, but the bottom line is, uh, I think within those eight, next eight days, uh, including this weekend into early next week, if he doesn't resign, if he provides that testimony, that tells me he is intent on trying to fight this. Um, and all indications thus far has been that he is. And so, you know, we could be looking at the second only the second ever impeachment proceeding in the history of the state of New York. Um, uh, you know, only one governor has ever been removed from office, and that was in 1913, long before you and I were around. So, uh, you know, this is this is a historic moment, and uh, you know, but I think these next eight days, that's going to be very telling. If if he provides that testimony and that evidence, that means he is intent on trying to fight this, um, and I would expect after that. The report concludes, the investigation concludes from the assembly, and I would I would hope and I'm demanding that a special session be called and articles of impeachment be drafted and presented for a vote. Because they have the votes. It will pass, John. If they put it on the floor, yeah. I have no doubt. That's what the AP pass. survey yesterday clearly showed. The votes are there. And you know there was a poll last night. I think sixty uh, percent of New Yorkers want him out, don't want him back. 
And so the will yeah. of the people yeah. and, and uh, the legislators seem to be there. You could be a juror in a couple of weeks in a trial that would you know, determine the fate of the executive uh, chief executive of New York. And what does that feel like as you prepare now, as you start to get ready for such a possibility? I mean, that's a big moment for anyone. It is a big moment, and it's and, and as we you know mentioned, it's it's significant, you know, both historical. I mean, it doesn't happen very often. This is not when you run for the state senate. I don't think this is ever sort of on your on your mind as, right. as a potential responsibility you may have. But these are tough jobs sometimes. You know, I think sometimes people think it's just you know photo ops or you're in a parade or you're you know giving a press conference. But these there are real responsibilities and and real things that we as elected leaders have to to do. And uh, look, at I, I served. In combat, uh, you know, uh, I was shot at by Taliban and insurgents. Right. So this, while significant, I certainly don't shirk or shy away from that responsibility. Our conference is ready for that responsibility. We're briefing them currently on sort of the procedure, how it works, you know, logistically. The trial is a little bit more in-depth logistically than the impeachment. The impeachment is essentially a vote, right? right? The articles get put on the floor. They vote. It's a simple majority vote. The trial obviously could involve witnesses. It could involve testimony, um, it, you know, much like a trial would. Uh, we bring in the the uh, Court of Appeals, the highest court in New York, much like the federal model where the Supreme Court, you know, comes in, uh, you know, the justice presides over it. So it's similar. Um, and then, you know, we, we make a decision, guilty or not guilty. Uh, and again, right now, uh, the evidence seems pretty damning. Um, on that front. So uh, to me, this, this ends one of two ways. Either the governor resigns, the governor goes through impeachment, and I believe, I believe from what I've seen, would be found guilty, although, you know, you, you never can be sure of that. Um, or he, or I guess he tries to run again and either loses in a primary or loses in a general election. So I just don't see a path yeah. whereby Andrew Cuomo is the governor of New York, certainly in 2023, but probably much before that. And hopefully that's the case for the people in New York. It is going to be a momentous few weeks in New York. There's no doubt about it. Um, I want to ask you about one other thing going on in your state. New York City has locked down hard with this idea that everyone has to check a vaccine ID before you go into a restaurant. What's your reaction of how New York City uh, has, has done and where do you think the larger country is going to end up in this new wave of the Delta variant? Well, I, I'm very concerned when I see our largest city doing this and, and I, and I, you know, I, I'll grant you a city of 8 million people, you know, uh, is a different animal than most, a lot of New York state, right. Where you have, it's rural, it's just suburban. Um, and, and, and so spread can be very different, uh, when you're talking about that kind of population, sure. population density, Yeah, that's real. but at the same time, I get very concerned. And I think a lot of people on the center right philosophy, it's not that we don't take COVID seriously. It's not that we don't, think vaccines are good and, and can help stop the spread. And people, you know, I would encourage everyone to talk to your doctor and, and get the vaccination if that's what you think is the right thing to do. And I think it, it certainly can help. I've got it. I think it certainly can help. But I think when we start saying you got to show papers, you got to show proof that you've been vaccinated to move around society, I really think we are, we are moving into an area that, I mean, I think that's problematic. For a lot of people, I think it, you know, there's a lot of uh, uh, communities of color that, you know, have vaccine concerns and vaccine hesitancy. I, I just think you're going to run into a host of issues that um, uh, you're going to see some real angst 
and division in this country. And that's not what we need. So I would like to try to find as elected leaders different ways to go about managing the, you know, the, the, the Delta variant and COVID beyond just lockdowns and you have to show papers to come here and, and you know, violations of privacy and individual liberty. I, I think we're really, it's sort of the larger debate that I think is always important to, uh, at least in my view, conservatives. And that's sort of the protection of individual freedom and personal responsibility. And that's where I think that the fight, at least from our standpoint, is uh, on this topic. What an amazing moment. And uh, so much we've got to sort out in, in a very short period of time. Senator, we're so grateful for all you're doing for keeping us up to speed on this. I know the next few weeks are going to be trying, but it's an important time. And everyone in America will have their eyes on what your great chamber is about to do. So thank you very much. John, thank you for having me. We'll talk to you soon. It's an honor, sir. Thank you very much. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, the former Secretary of State from Ohio, Ken Blackwell, here to talk about a new election integrity project right after the break. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with BiteClear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. BiteClear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. And as promised, a very special guest, somebody that has been at the forefront from the beginning of election integrity. And when I say from the beginning, I mean years ago when he was the Ohio Secretary of State making sure that elections in Ohio were fair and uh, people could vote easily but never cheat. And uh, joining us right now is that former Secretary of State, now the new chairman of the Center for Election Integrity, Ken Blackwell. Ken, welcome to the show. John, it's so good to be with you, sir. It is an honor to have you. And this new center is very exciting. Tell us a little bit. I know it's part of the America First Policy Institute. Tell us why you started it and what its mission is. Well, John, the 2020 elections show the fragility of our founding fathers' innovation. You know, we used to be fond of saying that uh, our constitutional republic and our freedom uh, is probably a generation removed from being uh, distinct uh, or destroyed. Well, uh, what we realized after the 2020 elections is that free and fair elections were, were under attack. And so the America First uh, Policy Institute decided to create a center for election integrity uh, that would be dedicated to securing free and fair elections. Not only will we, will we work on clean voter rolls, requiring uh, voter uh, photo IDs, uh, transparent ballot counting procedures, uh, we will in fact work to hold officials uh, accountable for uh, securing free and fair elections. Uh, we're going to be active across the United States, but we will probably start out uh, 
first, uh, making sure that we bring special attention uh, to five to 14 states uh, that are in jeopardy of, of, of uh, having uh, their, their systems uh, attacked and, 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 and broken. Um, you know, you, you mentioned it uh, earlier in the, in the introduction. I've been engaged in this for a couple of decades now. And I wrote, uh, co-authored a piece for Yale Law and Policy Review in 2009. It was entitled, The Other Voting Right, Protecting Every Citizen's Vote by Safeguarding the Integrity of the Ballot Box. We don't want any legal ballot negated by an illegal ballot. And there are common sense safeguards that can be put in place across the country uh, under the direction of state legislatures uh, and state election officials, uh, officials and legislatures that have been constitutionally empowered with the responsibility of determining the time, place, and manner of elections. And so this is going to be a, 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 a enterprise that is not a sprint. Uh, we're in for the long haul. We're developing uh, academically. We are building capacity. Uh, right now, we are focused in on a, a C3 status, but we will, we will graduate to C4 so that we can help these states build capacity. That is an amazing mission. And that's really the goal here, right? Uh, we want to make uh, voting easier and cheating harder. And we have all this technology. We have this all this know-how. This should be an easy mission, except that there's been Democrats who've been trying to muddy it up with all of these crazy rule changes that actually inject risk, right? Isn't that what really they're injecting uh, when they do this? Uh, oh, 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 absolutely. Because, look, this effort uh, to federalize our election uh, system uh, is uh, an existential threat uh, to the, the framework that was established that kept control of elections at what we used to call uh, utilizing the principle of subsidiarity at the most basic level where governance is important. That's in precincts, in wards, in states. Uh, and so uh, we are going to make sure that we first uh, arrest this threat uh, to uh, the integrity uh, and independence of our, our, our system, uh, whether it's S-1 or H.R. 4 or the John Lewis Act. You know, we will not uh, cave uh, to the left's pressure to federalize our, our, our system. And let me just say, John, because this is something I've been telling groups across the country, uh, that this effort to federalize our system is just one chapter uh, in the left's effort to uh, collapse our, our constitutional republic and fundamentally change it. Uh, there's a thread that runs through the federalization of elections, uh, the crisis at the border where the left is trying to make our nation a nation without borders. It ties back into their attempts to create voters without borders. Uh, and that is all tied to whether you're talking about state-sponsored racism, 
that they call critical race theory or the collapse of our energy independence. This is all part of a system of, of concentrating power uh, in Washington, D.C., in the hands of, of one party. Uh, and our pushback will be sustained and comprehensive. What an important mission. And uh, and really, this is a, an important thing. Sometimes things like this have a, a two, three-month shelf life. There's a splash, and then people go away. You're trying to create a lasting movement, a lasting mentality that everybody can agree on, which is making voting easier and hard, cheating harder should be everyone's mission. So you're in for the long haul, right? This isn't going to disappear in three months. You're, you're, you're building a long lens approach to this, right? Absolutely right. And we're doing it from the bottom up. We, as has been the, the genesis of the American First Policy Institute, we are, are of the people. Uh, you know, we we this we're talking about uh, taking uh, the experiences of folks at the at the at the precinct level uh, and making sure that we we do the sufficient digging, the re- sufficient repairing of our system again to make it easy to vote, but but hard to cheat. That we protect uh, the integrity of our uh, of of the ballot box by making sure that we have tight chains of custody uh, and that we have verification systems uh, that make it easy for folks at the precinct level to determine that a a, a person is who he or she claims to be. Uh, and so that will, that will be evidenced uh, in our efforts to uh, end mass uh, mail-in balloting uh, it will. We will be proactive in, in our in our lit- litigation, uh, and we will be quick to show uh, the, the hypocrisy uh, of uh, this push by the Biden administration and a weaponized criminal justice department that will tell you that photo ID requirements are are racist and a throwback to Jim Crow uh, when. This is something that I've I've said to Major League Baseball, uh, and I've said to Delta Airlines in particular, of which I am almost a three million miler. N- neither one of those organizations will allow me to do a transaction, whether it's pick up tickets at a will call window, or get on an airplane by showing them my utility bill. And so there is no way in the world that free. Uh, easy, accessible photo IDs uh, are a throwback to Jim Crowism when they're so commonplace in American culture. Such an thing. And, and, you know, the polling shows it. Every ethnicity, every age group, every gender, male, female, majority of Americans believe voter ID is a good thing. And yet we're being told it's Jim Crow. It's remarkable that the disconnect between the language in Washington and in some of these state house capitals where Democrats dominate, and what the real American people that these representatives are supposed to represent actually want, it's 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 just amazing. <laughs> it is. You know, we are dedicated uh, to reclaiming and winning, and and, and winning the narrative. Look, it's. <laughs> I, I said it to you before uh, that Frederick Douglass, the great abolitionist, yes. used to say. You know, those who are whooped easiest are whooped most often. That's well, right. We, in fact, we're, we're, we're fighting back 
we're, we're taking a stand. We know that we're not subjects. You know, that's what the left wants to make us. They want to convert us from free willed individual citizens to subjects of a bureaucratic state. Uh, and we will not we will not tolerate it. We'll push back. We will we will win. And I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, John, this is it's very important that the 1619 project of the right of the New York Times, you know, which says that we were permanently uh, racist and therefore the only fix is to totally collapse our constitutional republic. We're not going to let that narrative win. We're going to reclaim the narrative. We're, we're going to advance the 1776 narrative, which has made us, you know, the, a, 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 a unique political and cultural force in all of human history. And what we're going to do is basically take where Lincoln started us. He said, we are not perfect, but we are perfectible and we are made better by individual citizens working in harmony, not in a chaotic fashion with one another. That is so, so important. It's a profound statement. You know what? There's no reason for chaos in our elections. This is easy. We're no, the best no, democracy yeah. in the world. We can do this. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Someone and, wanted and, to create chaos you, last year, didn't they? <laughs> they, they, they? They did. I mean, yeah. King said it in the 60s. He said, we have a choice. We can choose chaos or community. You know, the left has decided that they will choose chaos. You, you've heard me say it before. You know, there were just things that came about after the 2020 election that just made me say, huh. You know, like every president who has gained votes in a reelection campaign has also won reelection for the last 150 years. Trump gained 11 million votes uh, from 2016, but Biden somehow pulled off a miracle at bare minimum made me say, huh, what am I what am I what am I missing? Biden shattered the popular vote record but won a record low of 17% of the counties. John, I mean, it doesn't take, you know, a rocket scientist, but you, you, you know, if you have a little energy in your brain, you at least at minimum yeah. have to ask, how did that happen? Yep. Was it an anomaly? Was it the result of, 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 of irregularities? Was there systemic fraud? You have to have inquisitive minds, you know, and that's what free individuals have, you know, free will and, 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 and determination to to pursue the truth, not swallow whole a force fed narrative that doesn't make sense. Yeah, no, there's no doubt about it. And it's so essential to. Um, to have this conversation and not be drowned out by people who say there's nothing there. Uh, this is a conspiracy theory because that's been used now about 10 times, right? Russia was a conspiracy <laughs> theory until it wasn't. Yeah. And then, you right. know, but uh, Ukraine, we can go through them all, right? I do think that the most important thing now is to start to help people find the facts from the fiction, right? Because there's spin, right. there's dishonesty, there's, you know, people who have good intentions but say the wrong things. And, and, and so you get misinformed. When you look out now, what are some of the documented problems, the factually indisputable problems that your group can highlight, educate, fix 
so that the next election in 2022, we don't repeat them. What are the ones that most trouble you as a former chief of elections of one of the most important states in America? Corrupt voter rolls. The exploitation of a unique year in 2020 and the application of the left's theory that they never let a crisis go to waste. And so things like mass mail-in balloting under the guise of COVID-19 was permitted. We can't institutionalize that. So ending mass mail-in ballots, uh, you know, and, and, and I think that we, we're going to have to proactively litigate because we have on the other side, you know, a, a weaponized justice, justice department, uh, which is, is just, just running the traps uh, for the radical, the radical left. So yeah, we, we, we're, we're going to tighten the chain of custody. Uh, we're going to uh, establish uh, common sense verification policies and practices. Uh, and we are we're not only going to change the narrative uh, by reclaiming it, we're in fact going to uh, secure a free and fair elections across the across the country, administered uh, by state legislatures and state officials who have the constitutional republic for a uh, constitutional responsibility for determining the time, place, and manner of election. Such an important thing and simple stuff. I mean, this is easy to focus on. This isn't hocus pocus. These are real things that really happened uh, and we're there. Uh, uh, Mr. Secretary, for with the time we have, how do people follow what you're going to do? How do they stay in touch with what America First and the Center for Election Integrity are trying to accomplish? Well, one of the things that we're going to do is one free kickoff, we will have a well-publicized uh, website uh, that folks can, folks can go to. Uh, they, many of your, 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 uh, in your audience already follow what I do through um, <clears throat> my writings for, for, for town hall, my, and, and other publications from American thinker on to, uh, uh, the uh, various conservative websites. So I we we will get you, John. Uh, once we just springboard into uh, our uh, a launch, we will get you our uh, direct uh, website for the Center for Election Integrity, uh, so that uh, when people press on that button, whether it's uh, through. Um, Twitter or, or Getter or, you know, any of the sure. rumble, we're going to be every place. Well, that's great. It's such an important thing. And, you know, the years of experience you bring to it and the common sense that you bring to it, this is going to give a lot of push to things that have been sitting on the sidelines or on the tip. This is going to tip it in. We're going to get all this work done so that the American people listen. The polls show uh, at least 70% of Americans didn't trust one of the last two election results in 16 or 20. That's just way too many people. We should be able to trust the results. And I think you're on to uh, the project that's going to get us to that point. So congratulations on, on starting this off. Thank you, sir. And you and I are both baseball fans, and you know we are. what that, uh, that what, <laughs> what Satchel Page said. He said it's very difficult to steal second base if you want to keep one foot on first. 
Well, we're making the break for liberty, and, and we're, <laughs> we're in a mad dash. <laughs> we're, we're off and running. How about that? Well, <laughs> off and running. An important mission for the entire country, no matter what your political stripe, no matter what your interest is. Having confidence in elections is a good thing for every one of us, and we're darn lucky that you're in the, right in the thick of it trying to make it happen for us, uh, Mr. Secretary. Thank you so much, and we'll have you back on the show soon. Looking forward to it, John. God bless you. You brother. too, sir. Thank you so much. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to wrap things up for the day. (sighs) The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. All right, folks, that wraps it up for another edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News. So grateful you tuned in. So many things to think about. The lawsuit in Texas, let's keep an eye on that if the family of Douglas Cantor can overcome the immunity arguments that normal government officials have and they get the right to sue the city of Austin for defunding their police and leading to this violence wave. It could be an avalanche. That is a potential trend starter in the courts. We got you covered on that. All the election integrity stuff, important news that you just heard from Senator Ort on the uh, Cuomo scandal. We're not going to let you down. You're going to be covered on all those things right here at justthenews.com. And of course, at John Solomon Reports. We're so grateful you joined us today. We've been broadcasting live from the Freedom Phone studios here. Yes, we love the Freedom Phone. You know, if you want to check it out, see if it's right for you, a privacy-protecting, free speech-celebrating new smartphone, go to justthenews.com slash freedomphone. My good friend, Eric Finman is uh, got a great product there. Check it out. If it's right for you, you'll know. You'll buy the phone. You're going to get a huge discount. If you go to that link, it's worth checking out. It's an amazing product. All right, folks, that wraps it up for the day. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of John Solomon Reports. I think we're going to have Ben Shapiro. Yes, that Ben Shapiro, the great thinker, writer, author, editor of The Daily Wire, all around amazing journalist and public thinker, you know, a thought leader in America. Joining us tomorrow, we're looking forward to that interview. Could be a lot there. And we're hoping to get Lee Zeldin, the congressman from New York, who very well may be running for governor in 2022. In fact, is running for governor in 2022. And with the Cuomo scandal lingering in the winds of New York, uh, who knows how well a Republican could do. Lee Zeldin, great friend of the show, somebody I worked with a lot on unraveling the Russia scandal. He could be with us tomorrow as well. Two great guests tomorrow. Two amazing guests we had today. Stay tuned. We'll have you covered all night at Just the News in the meantime. Until then, God bless you and God bless this amazing country, the United States, as he always has. You've been listening to John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News.